I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. I'm Carrie Nelson. And we love to watch. We love to watch. Bees! Bees! Last minute change. I know. I'm a wild man. No, it's fine. Uh, Carrie! I'm a true wild man on this podcast. I... Peter, we're trying to record a podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, I've also realized just in general that I can't say that opening line, I'm Aaron Armstrong, like a normal person anymore. It's a weird cadence that I only say my name in now at the beginning of these things. Um, it's like my voice is possessed for like five seconds. It's just, I'm Aaron Armstrong. <laughs> it's like I'm not. I don't know what it is. Uh, it's just how it is. Uh, now, I guess I've broken my brain. But uh, Carrie Nelson is on our show for the first time. Welcome to our podcast, Carrie. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for coming, Carrie. We, yeah, we haven't recorded in a couple weeks. So. We're a little rusty. We're a little Carrie, rusty. You're getting us a little, a little raw right now. Beautiful. I love it. <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> Very we're, vulnerable. We're drinking... Yes. <laughs> we're drinking as fast as we can. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, and then we'll overshoot it and it'll be super awkward. Uh, but uh, So this is our third week. Uh, after taking a one-week break last week, th- uh, where you guys heard the pilot's episode of uh, Pod's Not Dead, which I hope you all liked. Uh, but we're back to Kill Billies Volume 2. This is a big step for us as a podcast. Like, if this if, if this podcast was a, uh, was a marriage, this would be like having a baby, I feel like. Because we have never done an outright comedy. We've done a lot of unintentional comedies. We've done a lot of accidental comedies. <laughs> <laughs> We've laughed at a lot of very serious movies, but this is the first time that we have done a genre comedy, uh, and we're doing it. We feel like 70 episodes, we're ready to take on Tucker and Dale versus Evil, and that's why we're so glad that you're here, Carrie, because if we fuck it up, we need backup big time. <laughs> <laughs> this feels very momentous. We almost did it last year for Kill Billies, and Peter and I actually did have a conversation where we're like, uh, comedy's too subjective. I don't know how to talk about that. Horror comedy is such a perfect genre to transition in because horror comedy is like the party movie. Like, I think of party movies as horror comedies because they've got like a little bit of everything. They've got gross out factor. Hopefully, they're actually funny. So, like, you can like laugh at a group of people and like both. Horror and comedy as individual genres work so well in, like, a group setting. It's also a good pick because this is our next entry in Kill Billy's Volume 2. This is sort of a movie that is teasing the movies we've already watched this year and last year in Kill Billy's and sort of has something to say about how we view the killer redneck trope. Yeah, some of it good and incisive and some of it kind of shitty. But (laughs) we'll get into that. Uh, But before we get into that, we do have a game. Uh, which I'm very excited about. Uh, but before we get into that, this is the inception of intros. Carrie, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience by telling us three things about yourself? All right. First of all, I work as an archival researcher for documentary film and TV productions, um, which I enjoy doing quite a lot. Oh, my God. Um, that's that's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty fun. I got to spend <laughs> all day today in a library reading newspapers from 1963. So, so that you, was fun. So like when they show those little clips of the newspaper on like a documentary to emphasize a point, you found that. Yeah. And this goes for all documentaries. All documentaries that have ever been made. <laughs> that's I, a, that's I, a carry paper. I did it. Yeah. 
Definitely. <laughs> can you can you can you name any that you worked on? Or if not, I'll edit out me asking. I did licensing for a film um, called Long Strange Trip that is on Amazon. It's a uh, Grateful Dead documentary by Amir Barlev. Okay. It is a four-hour documentary, which people like pointing out to me is about the length of two Grateful Dead songs. Yep. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty good film. It came out in May, so I highly recommend it. I helped with uh, making sure that we could use all of the archive that was in the film, oh, that's which awesome. was nice. I keep hearing about this like long form uh, documentary for like true music fans. Like, there's a really famous Eagles one, right? That's really long. Yep. The history of the Eagles, um, I think, yeah. It's something that I can just, like, eat like catnip. Especially, like, with archival footage, there's something, like, when it's well used and well deployed, it's got a vibrancy that sometimes, like, when a film is approaching three hours, unless the film is really snappy and knows what it's doing, you're not always there. But, like, well-edited and well-curated archival footage, I'm just like, oh, I can watch this forever. It doesn't matter what the oh, topic totally. is. Yeah, like that eight-hour, like, uh, Friday the 13th documentary where I remember texting Peter at the end. I'm like, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I was like, oh, done already? I could watch <laughs> another eight hours of them talk about uh, talk about the movie. So, uh, yeah, we will. I'll definitely check that. I'll actually recommend that to my dad because like all hippie yes. dads from the 70s, he loves the Grateful Dead. Amazing. I'm so glad. So in my uh, personal work, I do a lot of uh, writing and filmmaking about issues of gender and sexuality. I was starting to work on a documentary a few years ago of my own about sexuality and language and the words that people use to talk about sexual identity. That has been on hiatus for a little bit, um, but I'm hoping to pick it up before too long. And I'm saying it publicly here on your podcast as accountability for me to do the thing. (laughs) Um, And uh, my third thing is that my all time favorite movie is Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me. Which, um, if you've had a conversation with me for more than five minutes, you probably already know because I bring it up all the time. And uh, in our film group that we're a part of, people tag Carrie if they've watched it. <laughs> That's true. Like, uh, it's kind of like when pe- when when people watch Seven Samurai, they tag Zach. Like if, when people watch Firewalk with me, they tag Carrie. <laughs> yes, I come in for the decompressing conversations after people watch it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're like a fire walk with me, sure. I try to be. You just saw a lot of abuse. <laughs> uh, and let's just yeah, not let's go totally. carry walk with me while I process this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, I saw that for the first time a couple years ago. It was the last Lynch movie I hadn't seen because I hadn't got through all of Twin Peaks. And yeah, five stars all the way. It's a fantastic movie. One other fact about Carrie that I uh that I don't know if I, Carrie. I don't even know if you know this fact about yourself, but Ooh. I need to tell you it. Uh, so Carrie, uh, as a name, is the best name to do the Banana Rama uh, song with. Like Carrie, Carrie, <laughs> Boberry, hundred percent the best. There's no name that gets close to it. Uh, almost every of the fake words is a real word. It's great. It's true. I like this running gag where we just try and come up with na- r- rhymes for people's names. Um, a- or like when you called... It, this is much friendlier than when you called Rick, like... Uh, Rick the Dick? Or <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> What'd you call Rick? <laughs> I didn't, I didn't. Oh, Dick, Smel- Dick Smelly. Dick okay, Smelly. That was go. in a personal chat group. That wasn't on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that was, oh, you're saying that was a safe was like, yeah, for your abuse. How dare you? <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought I was in a safe yeah, space yeah. to be my true self. That is in a group chat where we changed everyone's name. Um, and I changed his name to Prick Smelly. 
wow. So, so Carrie, you got off real. Oh, easy. I'm so glad. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is like this is like getting into personal texts. Like, hey, Aaron, remember when you <laughs> said this? Um, <laughs> this is also like a weird side part to you not being able to uh, pronounce Italian names. So when Michael Garneri was on the show, I just like sat and listened while you just tried to pronounce it. It was was like last Kill Billies, Peter. I need you to let it go. (laughs) I figured it out. I just put my hand, I put my chin up on my, on my hands and I'm like, like, go on. I mean, I I pronounced them. They were just incorrectly pronounced, but I got through every letter, I think. (laughs) I added some bonus letters. (laughs) What? Yeah. You know what? Uh, It's like, it's like a video game. Are you upset at the end when you get to a bonus level because you did so good on the level? No, Peter. <laughs> All right. Oh. I think it's more like you heard about the concept of a silent letter and you misunderstood that to be the invisible, invisible, invisible letters. letters too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, uh, Peter, prove to me there aren't. It's true. We do have in a, po- a post facts yeah. world where I can't, oh, no. I can't prove yeah. anything. All right. Um, um, so, so my game uh, is about one of the stars of this movie. Uh, a man by the name of Tyler Labine. Uh, how familiar are you guys with Tyler Labine? Uh, I've seen the Orgy movie where he's... Good old-fashioned Orgy. It's like they, they're like, yeah, let's... I think they have an old-fashioned Orgy. Yeah, it was a good one, though. Good old-fashioned Orgy. Yeah. There we go. I feel like it was an okay I one. I mean... It takes about, like, 80 minutes to get just there, t- and it doesn't look I don't like think that. they have the Orgy, but it's been a while since I've seen the movie. I feel like two yeah. of them do. I think two of them just have sex. Anyway. It's not much no. of an Orgy. In that case... <laughs> A, a good old-fashioned... Well, I mean, there's more than two people, I assume. If not, I've been to a ton of orgies. I think it has to be five people for you to call it an orgy. Five people? I yeah. Like, oh, man. Because otherwise it's, a, it's sex or it's it's a threesome or a foursome. By five. I think by five no it's an five-some. orgy. No one calls it like a, a quintsome? <laughs> That's true. The, a quintsome, a quintsome is That's actually true, where uh, the because... character from Jaws uh, is in is having sex with you. <laughs> So, uh, anyway, uh, so Tyler Labine uh, is in this movie. Uh, He plays either Tucker or Dale. This is like the Chip and Dale, where I'm not entirely sure whose name is which. The Ren and Stimpy, uh, Itchy and Scratchy, all all of those. Uh, So he, I actually knew him from. It felt like he was in a bunch of different television shows that were canceled immediately. And I went and looked, and yep, he has been. He like nobody hates Tyler Labine more than the television audiences of the the 2000s because he was just in so many like aired four episodes, aired, you know, 12 episode TV shows. Um enough that I could create a game out of it. So the game is, and you guys are going to both answer Yes or no. Uh, I have I have um, a list of eight TV shows, some real, some fake. I'm going to tell you the name of it. I'm going to tell you Tyler Labine's character's name in this TV show. And I'm going to tell you the one sentence premise. And you have to tell me, real okay. or fake, Tyler Labine television show. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to need you to repeat all of that. And then uh, also give me the first three answers. <laughs> Okay, so the first three answers are either going to be true or false, uh, and also the next five, same thing. Okay. So really, you guys have a 50-50. Actually, don't say true or false. It's probably like true or not, or fake. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, yeah, that one. True or fake. Uh, That common dichotomy. (laughs) 
standardized fake. test format. Yeah. <laughs> Just like the SAT. So, the first one is a little, a little easy one. I was really bad at math, and whenever I'd get to a derivative, I would just go, fake. This isn't real. Cosines? That seems made up. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, the, the, the first one, the first one's a gimme, but I'm still going to do it. So, uh, the first television show is Reaper. Tyler Labine stars as Bert Sock Wasaki. Uh, it's a television series that focuses on a Reaper who works for the devil by retrieving souls that have escaped from hell. Uh, Peter, you can go first on this one. Real or fake? Tyler Labine television show. This is real. Carrie? That is a real show. That is correct. That is a real Tyler Labine television show. It's a former guest of the show, Ryan Boland, uh, collects... These TV shows, these like one shot TV shows, like in his brain. Oh, just in his like, brain. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, I just, I just love. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he just watches okay. them and then remembers them. I don't he know. He breaks into television networks and, and takes their master tapes. <laughs> <laughs> he just yeah, and sucks on the flash drives until he he becomes Reaper. Um, yeah, he just like collects these these shows and gets obsessed with these shows that like nobody loves. So I watched Reaper. It's the only one uh, on here that is a real show that I watched all of. Uh, and it was okay. It's about a Reaper, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, I gave you the premise. It was part of the question. Uh, <laughs> Ray Wise pl- plays the devil, and that's basically the main reason to watch it. That's expert casting. He also played a – I mean, obviously, he plays a creepy dude in Twin Peaks. But he also plays a weird dude, mythical figure in um, Fargo Season 3. Mm-hmm. It's very strange. He just like has these ghost, these ghostly sort of presence, and you're like, well, we can't just have him be like Bill's dad. He has to be Bill's dad with a secret. I also like the idea though of Peter calling Leland Palmer like a creepy guy. <laughs> like a little bit of an understatement. Like, there's something a little off about this guy. A side but, uh... eye about that one guy, Leland Palmer. He also plays the evil ACLU lawyer in God's Not Dead too. He does. Yeah. Ray Wise. It's so it's not a wise move. Thoroughly no. enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like such a like even if I like I were just collecting the paycheck, I feel like he could he could do something real good there. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's he commits to it. <laughs> There's a Beach House music video for the song Wishes, uh, directed by um, Eric Wareheim. He's playing this, like, god commander of this weird sports event. Like, it's the sort of thing that's like a sports announcer, like a Timothy... Ma- What's the uh, WWE dude? Were, were you going to say Timothy I McVeigh? Say, <laughs> I was going to say Timothy McVeigh! <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I guess, in fairness, I don't know what Timothy McVeigh did. Before the big thing that we all know him from. <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe you did a deep dive on Timothy McVeigh, heard no. some of his college sports casting, and thought that was no. a good reference point for everyone. I, I like that you somehow knew I was. I just like wandered Timothy off into a mumble, and you're like, <laughs> you're like, you were gonna say the Oklahoma City bomber. <laughs> Oh. All right, I'll give you guys both a bonus point right now if you can tell me the actor whose game we're doing. Tyler Levine. Uh, Tyler Levine. <laughs> Carrie got it first. Um, <laughs> what? That's a Skype delay. Carrie's winning uh, two to one. The next one. Uh, Sons of Tucson. Tyler Levine stars as Ron Snufkin. The series is about the Gunderson brothers. They own a house in Tucson, Arizona. But since their mother left and their father is in prison, they hire Ron, played by Tyler Levine, to be their father. Uh, Carrie, you're first this time. 
I think that sounds fake. Peter? I'm going to say it's real. Peter is correct. That is a real show that aired for four episodes on Fox. (laughs) (laughs) Four? Wow. Four episodes. Four's not an episode number. (laughs) Well, it was for Tyler Labine, Sons of Tucson. I'm pretty sure even when they're do- they used to do one of those big event miniseries like Stephen King's Rose Red or something, they'd be like, you need five. Like, that- yeah. it's not a show at four. No, it's too weird. Three is a show. Four is not. Yeah. Um, all right. So it's two, two. The next one called That Was Then. Uh, Tyler Labine plays Donnie Pincus. This series is about Travis, who is able to trace his life's downward spiral to a single week in high school in 1988 after telling his best friend, played by Tyler Labine, that he wished for a second chance to make everything right. He lies in bed listening to the song Do It Over by the Kinks when a bolt of lightning hits his house and an electrical jolt sends him back to that week in 1988. Peter, real or fake Tyler Labine television show? Fake. Carrie? Fake. Real. Oh my god. (laughs) Is it real? (laughs) It lasted for six episodes. Aaron, it's going to be one of those lists that is just entirely real things. Peter, we got five questions to go. (laughs) All right, let's go. Let's go. All right. It is still 2 2. Next one's called Deadbeat. Tyler Lubin plays Kevin Pack Pacquiao. Uh, Kevin Pacquiao is a lazy slacker and a medium for hire who attempts to solve various ghosts unresolved issues so that they can move on to a final resting place. Real? Peter? I'm going to go real also. That is correct. Wow. Is it God. real? Title <laughs> being three seasons on Hulu, but short seasons. It got canceled from Hulu. Oh, I've no. actually seen that show. Oh, that's right. I remember. It must have really stuck with you. (laughs) Very much so. All right. Next one. Uh, Breaker High. Tyler Labine stars as Jimmy Mortimer Farrell. This series is set at a high school located on a cruise ship, allowing the episodes to be set in a variety of exotic locations. Peter? I always forget, like, halfway through these game shows, who's supposed to go first? Fake. Uh, Real. Uh, uh, Carrie's correct. That is real. <laughs> okay. Okay. 1998 <laughs> to 1999. 13 episodes. <laughs> um, uh, all right. It is four to three. Or no, it's tied. Four, four. Does that sound right to anyone? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I think it's four, four. I felt like I was losing. So this is kind of a fun surprise. All right. Four, four. Two to go. Uh, action man. Tyler Labine stars as Brandon Kane. Uh, athletes take part in a series of unconventional televised sporting activities all over the world. Danger and adrenaline trigger hidden mental powers as a result of secret experiments by a former high school coach. Carrie, real or fake? Action man. Real. Peter? Real. That's correct. That is a real <laughs> show that lasted for 10 episodes in 2002. Uh, oh dear all right um, <laughs> um so uh the last one is five to five uh dead last tyler labine is scotty salback the series is about three members of a fictional band called the problem who find a magical amulet that allows them to see and talk to ghosts it real real care correct <laughs> <laughs> seven episodes <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh there were other shows so that shows a tie 
Uh, as you can see, uh, my favorite game is where they just end up all being real because Tyler Levine has been in a ton of dumb television shows that have been canceled. Um, there's also there's there's other ones that exist, but that you guys would have heard of. And I already did Reaper like Invasion lasted one season. There's another one. I forget which one that I'm like, oh, they'll know that one that lasted a season like nobody hates Tyler Labine more than Nielsen viewers of television. (laughs) (laughs) Even more than his own parents. We want him to have a show, but we want to take it away from him. Yeah. But they keep giving him shows like Deadbeat was canceled in 2016. Stop (laughs) giving Tyler Labine starring roles in television shows. It doesn't work. Everyone's tried it since Breaker High. Back in 1998. Here's a modern job if you think about it. Here's the other thing that I realized uh, doing this is that if you read enough television characters over and over again, uh, it sounds like a like a parody of, of character names. Like, look at these names. Burt Sock Wasaki, Ron Snufkin, Donnie Pincus, Kevin Pack, Packaluga, Ty- uh, Jimmy Mortimer Farrell. Brandon Kane and Scotty Salback. None of them sound real. No, those are all characters that were on television. Not for long. <laughs> the stars that burn twice as bright burn out twice as fast, right? <laughs> I mean, that guy never even got. He's like he was like one of those dwarf stars. Just never, <laughs> never really got going. <laughs> and I like how all of them have the, the weirdest concepts. None of them are just like, what happens when a slob moons in with a hot girl? Like, none they, of them are. They had one of those. That was Mad Love with the last of the season with Jason Biggs. <laughs> I decided not to include that one because you may have seen it or heard of it. Was he like the fat neighbor that would come in and eat sandwiches out of the fridge all the time? Yeah, so it was about Jason Biggs falling in love with Sarah Chalky. And then in the meantime, I actually watched this one because it aired like before How I Met Your Mother, when How I Met Your Mother was still good. Um, and and then Tyler Labine was the other friend who like fell in love with the ugly friend, of course, played by uh, gorgeous actress uh, Judy Greer. Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, and so they started like falling in love, too. Um, but that's essentially he was the slob that stayed over at uh Noted handsome man who fucked a pie, uh, Jason Biggs. <laughs> <laughs> Noted handsome pie fucker. I mean, ironically though, Tyler Labine was the was the fat friend in that show. Tyler Labine got to keep making things, and Jason Biggs is, I think, at the bottom of that volcano still. <laughs> where where did he go? What did he did he like have to get sacrificed for Tyler Labine to live on? He actually got one last glorious moment before. Before they tossed him into the volcano and that was being on Orange is the New Black and then I think he did something dumb on Twitter or something and then everybody was like alright Jason you goof go get in the volcano <laughs> it, the adjustment bureau came in and took him away quality reference people Thank love you. the adjustment bureau <laughs> I've never seen the movie but I just know their hats are magic fun fact I interviewed the director and saw that movie at a premiere nice oh, not a great movie. Was the director wearing a hat? I mean, it was over the phone. I was like, oh. I wasn't at like the premiere. I went to like an early screening, I guess is what, what people say. Press screening. I know things. <laughs> <laughs> I, went to, I went to three of those. Let me adjust my question. Were you wearing one of those fun adjustment bureau hats, but with a little uh, press card in the brim? 
Well, now I wish I had a time machine. <laughs> <laughs> you can. You just go find an adjustment bureau hat. You can go change the timeline. It's not. It's not. And it's make Tyler being a star. Oh my god! It's not what happens in that movie at all, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> There's no time travel. Oh. So frustrating. So, Carrie, let's just, because of that, we'll say that you were the winner of Tyler Labine or Leno. I, let's. You need, you need to slow down here, sir. <laughs> let's try this again. Okay. Tyler Labine or LaRong? <laughs> How about Labine or not to Labine? God damn it. I love it. that. Yeah. Oh, Garrett, let, edit out all the smart stuff that you said and let me say it. Uh, <laughs> Tyler Labine or not to be. <laughs> thanks. Uh, thanks. So, Carrie, oh, I, God. I, thanks I, so much for those l- legitimate laughs. <laughs> so thank you very much for bringing that game, Aaron. We're getting our we're getting our mojo back. We're, we're getting back on speed. Yeah, we're getting back on speed. Uh, Peter and I are drug speed. takers. <laughs> All speed. Oh, my God. You guys want to talk about Tucker Dale for Evil? Yeah. Ain't too sharp, but he gets things done. Drinks his beer like it's oxygen. He's my baby, and I'm his honey. Never gonna let him go. In spite of ourselves, we'll end up sitting on a rainbow. Against all odds, honey, we're the big door prize. We're gonna spike our noses right off of our faces. There won't be nothing but big old hearts dancing in our eyes. Do you want me to do, say, alternate tagline? Aaron, there's nothing I love more in the world than for you to oh, tell me. Tell them that to your girlfriend. The ultimate tagline. Uh, so I see why you started writing them down. I'm vamping right now by giving you a little bit more time to come up with. The thing is, I'm paying attention to how slow your words are and not an thinking about an alternate tagline. Tag this, is, <laughs> this, is this is how it's supposed to end, Carrie. With the awkwardness, <laughs> we're throwing it out super early. Uh, as a treat, as a bonus for fans. Hope you enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. like, like, oh, you gave us a guest appearance. We gave you the gift of never having to listen to us. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um. <laughs> so, a uh, five-second tagline. Um, after you've seen Cabin in the Woods five times, maybe check out Tucker and Dale versus Evil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. 90-second recap. So, Tucker and Dale are going to... Uh, one of their vacation homes in the the middle of the woods and at the same time uh a group of dumb college kids are going to those same woods dale played by tyler labine falls in love with uh allison and tucker played by Alan tudyk is pushing him to like you know go go say hi to her go say hi to her or whatever they're out on a fishing trip they happen to be occupying the same lake as the kids that are swimming uh skinny dipping through comic concussion having uh allison falls in the water and is unconscious and then dale has to go and uh you know save her out of the water and as that's happening these teen kids who are terrified of these two redneck looking dudes uh think that this girl is being um you know kidnapped murdered by them 
They take her back to their cabin because they have no idea what the kids think. They uh, make her breakfast, try to explain to her what happened and all that. And she sort of falls in love with Dale. While that's happening, the kids are sort of trying to hunt them as uh, what they think that Tucker and Dale are, which are sort of uh, redneck killers. These, uh, these killbillies. And, but really, Tucker and Dale are just like two good old boys. And through comic mishaps, the kids all die through these very like specific, like comically contrived like um, suicides. Uh, you know, one kid <laughs> runs into a tree branch. One kid accidentally jumps into a wood chipper. One kid impales himself. Or one of these kids gets suicided to themselves. Is there a word for that? Doing a suicide with themselves? I think it's just mm. suicide. suicide. Mm. It's accidental sound suicide. Right. Yeah, so they're manslaughtering themselves and second degree, uh, second degree manslaughtering themselves. Uh, and while this is all happening, uh, one of them is getting like militarized. This Chad, this big bro, alpha male douchebag leader of the group, he's going harder and harder at them, and he's eventually going crazy. Like he's basically turning into the serial killer that you expect, a sort of almost like unhinged. Uh, um, Patrick Bateman type. Tucker and Dale eventually must defend Allison from Chad, and at the end, they defeat Chad by sort of like adopting that the 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 violent tropes that people have been putting on them. He puts on picks up this Dale picks up his chainsaw and goes to defend Allison. And uh yeah, Chad loses and there's a sort of implication that Chad might be around like they're almost creating like a little uh serial killer slasher mythos at the end as a sort of Halloween-esque stinger. Yeah, and so much so that they um the director has been trying to organize schedules to do a Tucker and Dale versus Evil 2 that they still insist uh, is in development. Uh, I have no idea what that would look like based on the joke of this movie, uh, which is one joke that they somehow, I would say, sustained for the first two thirds uh, amazingly well for a movie that could become one note uh, very quickly. I just I don't even have a sense of what a sequel would look like, but I would definitely – uh, be interested in in uh, in seeing it, uh, just because I, I really like a lot of the people involved. Uh, even even uh, noted uh, Nielsen hated Tyler Labine. Uh, I so I I'll just say my quick experience with this movie. I made the cabin in the woods joke uh, because this essentially was released for. Um, it came out in Sundance in 2010. Uh, but then you could basically rent it on demand uh, essentially the same summer that Cabin in the Woods came out. So this this felt like very much an also ran to uh, one of the best horror comedies, deconstructions of the genre, uh, I would say, of all time. Uh, I, I am biased. Cabin in the Woods is my favorite movie of 2012. So uh, I absolutely love that movie. Uh, and then this ended up being kind of almost like a like a pleasant dessert where it was enjoyable. It was funny. And it had a lot of, uh, it, like I said, very, very clever way to frame these this kind of um, uh, killer redneck type movie. Uh, and we'll, we'll get into some of that later. I will say so I haven't rewatched it since then. So it's been like five years. Um, the movie, I still enjoyed it quite a bit, but I noticed, uh, the, the surprise of what they were doing, uh, had worn off and I could see some faults and some troubling aspects that bothered me more than the first time that I saw it. So, uh, we'll get into some of that stuff as well, but that's kind of my experience with this movie. 
Yeah, so I had a similar experience. Uh, I saw this after Cabin in the Woods, uh, and so um, I was kind of hard to impress, but I remember being very impressed with this movie back in the day. And uh, as my priorities have shifted over the years, I am a lot less impressed with some of what they're doing in terms of horror parody, but... I'm more impressed with the heart and sweetness of it. So I feel like it's it's sort of a toothless satire at times because it has so much love for the genre and these two characters, these two lead characters, and I guess three lead characters for Tucker, Dale, and Allison. It has so much affection for those three and wants them to have, you know, to be happy so badly. And it loves the genre so much that it's, it doesn't really know how to make fun of the genre, which is fine. Like, I don't need all, all my satires and parodies to be, like, bitter and caustic, right? Um... But yeah, it it, um, it doesn't it doesn't ultimately have as much to say about the genre as I thought, but it is kind of like just like a sweet fun time. Like it, it passed like uh, in the blink of an eye for me. It was a very uh, it's more comedy leaning, I think, in a sense, because like very few of the um, kills or the horror moments were particularly like stirring or scary to me. I didn't really care because like I cared about the lead characters so much. So it's a very sweet movie, uh, which which helps guide it through the fact that like other movies like Scream and Cabin in the Woods and such, I think, pulled off a more holistic satire or parody of the genre in a way that it was a bit more satisfying. So, Kira, do you have any, like, sort of general thoughts on, on the movie? Had like, you how, seen how, this before? Like I had not seen it before, and it was very different than I was expecting. Um, I don't know why I thought it was going to be a lot more violent than it was. I thought it was going to be, like, <laughs> very graphic and gory, and it's really not. There's the there's a couple scenes, and even those are so cartoonish that they're, they don't feel very violent. Um, and I think going off of what Pete was saying, I was really surprised by how sweet it is um, that like the emotional core of the movie I found to be a lot more interesting than the parody aspects of it. Um, but there is some interesting and some nice emotional stuff happening there. And the three char- the three leads are so well defined. That was really enjoyable to watch. Would imagine that we'll get to this a little bit later. But my biggest issue is probably with the end and the kind of like the twist ending with Chad. I agree. I have two big problems with this movie. Uh, the first one is that I felt, even though Tyler Labine, Alan, uh, I always call him Tuck, but I guess that might be wrong. How did you say it, Peter? Oh, Alan Tudyk? Yeah. I guess I called yeah. him Tudyk. Tuck? You called him Tuck? Yeah, Tudyk. That's what I called him. Put some more letters in their name. Yeah. A-T is what I call him and all his friends do. It was Tuck in the in the old country, but when he got to Ellis Island, they called it Tuduk. So, uh... It's just Tudyk, Aaron. I got it. I got it, Peter. Just call him, like, Wash from Firefly, okay? Can you pronounce Wash? Can you say Wash? Firefly. No! No! It's a long E, right? Anyway, so I... Yeah, I agree, Carrie, that the ending and the way... I, I think that character doesn't work at all in this movie. I think we can get into a little detail. I think uh, that works better if uh, I think the movie as a whole works better if he is just another um, like if the whole thing is a constant misunderstanding. And I get that uh, where where it really is just a, a guy who's trying to fight back and not like an evil person that kind of justifies some of their actions and probably at least gives you a villain to pin some of these murders on. I think the. um the kind of accidental comedy of misunderstanding. Uh, if they had done that the whole movie, I think it's a better movie. 
So I don't really like his arc. But but maybe we should get into this first and foremost, because it sounds like I'm on the opposite side of both of you. I kind of don't really, this time around, like the romance stuff. I kind of find it... Gross isn't the right word, but it feels like almost like a mythification of like the nice guy myth a little bit. Um, And maybe it's just in the context of watching it in 2017 more than 2012. But this whole like idea of like all she needs is like this nice guy and then all, you know, it, it, it feels like it feels like this is like the fantasy that like some of the worst people on the internet have about themselves. And then like, it comes true. Like, Oh, if just this gorgeous girl starts talking to me, uh, they'll support everything I do and everything I say. And it felt very unreal to me. Not, not just, and it felt like, uh, I don't know. It, it felt off to me in a way that I'm, I guess I'm not even really good at articulating, but some, something about it felt, not right to me. I don't know how else I can say more vague terminologies, but am I off base? Does that seem... Did I miss... I don't think you're off base. I mean, when I was started watching it, I kept thinking like, okay, why aren't they taking her to the doctor? They're just putting her in their house. Like, why are they... Like, how is this not kidnapping? Like, they yeah. they say that they're doing all these nice things, but like, actually, really, they're kind of kidnapping her, um, which is creepy. But I think that it would feel a lot more nice guy-ish if it wasn't for the fact that he ends up being a pretty three-dimensional character. I felt like I could kind of see why she fell for him. In terms of everything that they're actually doing, it's creepy and weird. So I do see where you're coming from. And she never falters at any point. Like there's, I, I feel like to make her the, the romance more real and to make her more of a real character in some respects, like she needs to have some doubt in her situation. And she just feels like from the beginning is like, oh, yes, of course you saved me. Oh, I'll talk to them. Oh, all my friends are terrible. Oh, you're doing great at everything. It, it felt really. Yeah, I it, it felt like kind of like made me want to like you know, almost like shake off at like a level of not like, not like overt creepiness, but just this, this, I, this, this kind of version of this reality that like there, there's some nerd in the basement who's like writing hateful things on the internet about women. And then is imagining, Oh, if I just got this, this girl in this situation, she would like everything about me and, and hate all of her friends and, and support me in everything I do. And, and that's what it felt like a little bit. And Peter kind of gets back to something you talked about in the silent night, deadly night, uh, episode where one of the more uh, problematic uh, or or issues with horror movies is they have this thing where the movies kind of imply that by saving someone's life they they get get the girl this isn't that level of creepy or terrible or anything like that but it still feels to have that kind of like all you need to do to basically get a girlfriend is to save their life from a murderer and then they are yours now mm-hmm I don't see it as a nice guy thing. I see it more as just like an old school thing where it's just like a knight in shining armor. When he puts on that helmet and he picks up the chainsaw, it's sort of supposed to be a comic uh, update of the knight in shining armor thing. But he's like not really all that masculine. Like when she, when he gets yelled at uh, and somebody or Ch- uh, Chad tells his like awful backstory, he's just like, yeah, I can see why you do that. That's pretty reasonable. Like he's like not a macho masculine dude. No. And the movie never the movie never mans him up. It just says like be a person of action, which I think is like why I don't see it as a as as much a nice guy thing because it's not just like 
if there is a sexual competition, it's between Allison not sleeping with Dale and sleeping with Dale. Well, um, no, well, Chad, Chad's very much interested in 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 Allison. So but Allison I, I has say, no interest in him. Well, yeah, pretty much the entire movie. Chad is like creepy and rapey from the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah, and, but he's creepy and rapey in a, like, frat boy way, and then he gets creepy and rapey in a more overt, uh, less societally acceptable way. Like, still rapey, but just, like, in a way that he's well, because he starts the frat boy patina, right? He start, yeah, because he, yeah, he starts becoming the, the actual villain of the movie and not just... The, he starts out as the dick of the horror movie, uh, who usually dies first, and then he eventually becomes the, the villain. I agree with you, Aaron, um, that uh, – and I agree with you, Carrie, as well, that the movie needs a little bit more comedy of errors, like comedy of misunderstanding stuff to um, really tighten its message. Like Carrie said, when Allison tries to leave to go talk to her friends, be like, I'm going to go straighten this out. I'm going to go talk to them or whatever. They won't let her leave. But, like, they don't come with, like, a good reason why they can't. she can't leave. So it's just like – yeah, you're artificially detaining this person. You're kidnapping this person. Like, if the movie came up with, like, way better reasons why she had to stay with them and why, like, I feel like it would have made more sense. But sometimes they just feel like, oh, they're they're uh, they're going to murder her. I don't know why. They're going to murder her. And then the movie makes a joke about how ridiculous of a leap that is. It feels a little sweaty, but I just don't think it doesn't get rid of the creepiness. And I need I need Dale to never feel creepy. <laughs> I think Dale's a very grounded character, and I wish that could. Um, I wish that Allison felt less like um, a a male's writer's fantasy, and I don't mean that just like based on looks or anything like that, but just like she is immediately just whatever you say, Dale. I'm going to trust you. She might question it for a minute, but at the end of the day, it goes back to what he says and supports him and turns on all her friends like almost immediately. It feels like a little more hesitation on her part, a little more three-dimensional uh, character building on her part would have made the relationship really nail the sweetness. It, when it does work, and it does work for a lot of this movie, it works because the actors themselves are all very charming. But the writing and the characterization needed, especially for Allison, I think needed another pass. So here's the weird thing about Allison. For someone who's uh, like unconscious for like 20, 25 minutes in the movie – She's weirdly like the audience voice for some of it because she can see both sides. She can see why the other people are scared of uh, Tucker and Dale, but also she can see why Tucker and Dale are afraid of them and just want to like keep her safe. And like, it's like a weird thing where she's like towards the end, she becomes like an audience surrogate, but then she gets like pulled back into a character role and i think that sort of tug that they have between like her just being a reasonable person that can see both sides but never gets to actually like help and like her being an actual character i i agree with you she's not that developed as a character and she's also not that um she's not around long enough to be just like an audience identification character and they justify all of that by having her be studying psychology. She wants to stay and she wants to get to know them in part because she's like actually genuinely interested in talking to people. And so yeah. like and she's very good at empathy. So she can understand her friends and she can also understand these new people that she just met. When you think about it, it's kind of a cop out. But in the logic of the movie, it also explains why she's uh, doing some things that otherwise wouldn't make a lot of sense. 
That makes a lot of sense. She is almost at first like, well, I should study them. And then kind of, you know, through her study might not be the right word. She's not that uh, <laughs> not that inhuman. Like, but it is like, oh, these are let me figure out what their truth is or something like that. Yeah. And, um, and obviously then she gets unconscious and things get pretty chaotic pretty quickly. And then when she wakes up, it's it's kind of full on uh, murder show. So I, I can buy that a little. It's like I said, it wasn't movie ruining or anything like that. And I, you know, again, the, the actors themselves, I feel like save a lot of it. Um, I just, you know, I, I there were just these elements that sometimes would, would creep in where I'm like, eh, this isn't this doesn't feel as I don't know what the right clean is not the right word, but that's the word that came to mind. So I'm just going to go with that. And I don't have a thesaurus available. Do you, do you think that some of that might be? And this is this is heading back to earlier what we said. Do you think that this, some of that might be um, maybe uh, me? And I don't know about Carrie, but I'm watching it sort of from a comedic, like almost like um, more shallow, but more focused on just like characters i like getting into mishaps perspective and like maybe you're watching it more from like a horror dramatic perspective and it fails in a lot of like horror mechanic ways um no i just thought it was i mean maybe i was but it just felt it felt very uh, it's it's that second movie watch thing where i didn't notice it at all the first time and then the second time i'm like oh wait this is this is uh this isn't quite what i remember I don't remember yeah. her being passed out for most of this. I don't remember, you know, it, it felt like I remember there being more uh, three-dimensional characterization on her part. And I felt like that was lacking uh, upon a second viewing. So I may be competing with my own memory um, as well. Because it's such a, a recent movie, I feel like, yeah, it's fair to be a little a little bit harsher expectations for how the messaging is going to land and how the gender dynamics are going to land and stuff. Because you're like, hey, I knew better in 2012. But, like, nothing in the movie is that um, acerbic or offensive to me yeah. until third act problems start stepping in. So let's talk about um, that. Before we get into the really positive stuff, let's talk about the, the thing that Carrie mentioned, which is... Uh, I, I think the much bigger issue in this movie is Chad. First of all, great name for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Carrie, what do you what do you think of Chad? I find him good in the context of a comedy in that he's so like obviously telegraphed from like his first moment on screen as like the creepiest person alive. <laughs> and there's like no mystery as to what's going on there. But he's such a confused character in how he's written that like he has this whole righteous preppiness happening where he has to kill the hillbillies, but then he is one. But he's driven to kill because he is part hillbilly. But he, he's half it's, hillbilly. It's, it's so confusing in how that part is written that yeah. I was going back and thinking like, well, did he orchestrate this from the beginning? <laughs> did he like try to get all of his friends killed? But then that doesn't make sense because at the end he seems genuinely surprised. So yeah. I, he's just too confusing, ultimately. That that ending where he, they go, where they try to like talk him down by saying, Chad, stop this madness. You're half hillbilly. Which is like, <laughs> which I think they thought was like, this is the killer ending line. People are going to be quoting it. And it is like so unearned and lands with a thud like, 
oh wait it's his it's his hillbilly part that's causing the murders it actually also feels like a really sharp turn from the thesis of this movie like hey those rednecks those hillbillies are just like normal people like you and this is like we get all those visions of them judging them and then at the end we find out that the actual murderer uh his murder genes are coming from his hillbilly side feels like a little change in what the movie's trying to show us why couldn't he just be like we already have american psycho why can't he just be like preppy asshole like successful rich murderer if they're going to do that game instead of because it it would be really hard for this movie to sustain it it's sort of comedy of errors thing for 90 minutes it's a really or three acts it's really really hard to do that because you're just like and then more mistakes happen and then more confusion happens and then more kids die like it's really hard to do that so like yeah i I think it wasn't which is why they didn't but i think the movie would have been better if they would have figured out a way to do it Mm -hmm. and i'm fine with them being like oh eventually he's just like a raving lunatic like i'm even fine with that i'm trying to come up with a term for mental gremlins or something why did they just like throw this third act twist in there where it's like oh actually he's half hillbilly so you're that's where your murderer half comes from also it came from a rape your mother was raped earlier in this so um and then yeah that story you told earlier that that was bullshit i guess there were let's show you a redacted version of the story like i don't understand why simple movies decide to throw all these like gremlins in there to mess with the works yeah uh, like carries that i liked chad at the beginning where he's just this sort of like well telegraphed douchebag i kind of liked that there right off the bat like there's a, something a little a little off with this guy he's not your typical like just college frat boy yeah he felt very like brock turner to me <laughs> yeah <laughs> i feel like he goes from a nine to a ten in the course of the movie yeah I, I think it works a little better it's if he has true. more of a, you know, it's like the criticism that people like leveled against um, Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Like, well, he was already pretty fucking nuts at the opening scene. So I, it wasn't a stretch to see where he went uh, by the end of the movie. And I mean, I love The Shining. I don't think that's a fair criticism um, necessarily. But it, that it part, is people say. It, it is it is kind of true. Like, he already seems like he there's something off about him at the get go. And Chad's the, you know, uh, both the same way. And I think the same caliber of performance uh (laughs) no no no, but it's the same thing like chad was like a guy who would like beat the shit out of you and leave you for dead uh at the opening of the movie and then like at the end of the movie he was a guy that would beat the shit out of you and make sure you were dead yeah yeah it's not much of a transition but like i would have really liked if they went with more of the approach with aaron what you were talking about where it was like where it was sort of like a series of mistakes and we got to see chad like grow from this like bro with like really fucked up ideas on violence to like gradually being like all right guys we gotta go and he's like trying to motivate his friends as opposed to immediately like throwing he's throwing hatchets in the woods when allison gets taken so he's like yeah he's like ready to murder something well before anybody gets taken and also he's at the gas station he does the karate thing yeah he's waiting for the zombie apocalypse like he's that guy yeah yeah yeah, yeah. who's like, like oh man like, the second this all goes down i'm killing you my best friend of eight years killing my parents stealing their guns like he's yeah he's got the whole <laughs> fucking thing planned out about how he's going to uh step on everyone he knows and loves the second shit goes down he even has that line at some point in the middle when all the other kids are freaking out 
where they're like, oh, you know, we came here to die. And he's like, no, we came here to live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, He's been okay. practicing that for 20 years. Yeah, exactly. So there's a few movies that I've mentioned before on the show that I think are really uh, do a good job of sort of attacking like male male ideas of what violence would really be like and male ideas of masculinity and what masculinity means. And this movie does some of that that I really like. Air Bud, like, right? That was the one? You know, you don't have to be a, a clown to be a man in Air Bud. That's what Air Bud says. This movie does a little bit of that that I really like in the character stuff. Uh, how Dale is uh, this like sweetie and he like never, like I said, he never toughens up. He just becomes a person of progressive action, which is like satisfying as a character character arc just being like oh i'm just sort of bumming along and then you're like well he actually did go talk to that girl and then they actually have like a real bond and then like he he impresses her with like his intellect he's not just like a night uh, he's not just being nice like it movie has stuff like that but i wish that they had been a little bit more acerbic with chad like a bit a bit more attacking of like how there are these survivalist bros who think like yeah, man, if that fucking that fucking dot guy fucks with my girl, I'm going to fuck him up. Like, the Chad type had, like, a lot of possibilities. Like, the idea of putting this bro up against rednecks. Uh, you know, actually, one thing I think this, this movie does that it, I don't even actually think it gets this smart with it, but something that I, that I took away from it is that in a lot of these movies where you actually have redneck killers, you have these, like, college kids or, you know, 20-somethings, and they're, like terrible people they're terrible people and they have all these friends that are like you know say those kind of like terrible things to the women in the group or just like this this bro these bro offs and like people that are cheating their friends or like you know screwing their girlfriends or their boyfriends just like terrible people and i think one thing this movie uh gets right is this idea of hey you know all your characters your protagonists in these uh, in these horror movies uh they may also be huge pieces of shit, <laughs> which which never gets commented on because that's like especially like the 80s and 90s version of like cool where like, oh, you're a shitty friend and you have sex with all the men or the women and you're the best. And so like those are the people we root for in a lot of these horror movies. And this kind of strips out some of that veneer where it's like these guys are assholes. Not just that they've mistaken these Tucker and Dale for these murderers on just like looks and stuff like that alone. But also, they're just bad. They're assholes. They're not. They're not loyal to each other. The person who's the leader of their group is a sociopath. Like it's. I. I and I don't think the movie actually goes too deep into that. But I, I thought that was clever. That actually connects to one of my other bigger issues with the movie is that aside from Allison and Chad, the, none of those kids are developed at all. I had trouble keeping track of how many of them there were and what any of them were doing and how they were dying like they don't have any <laughs> defining personality traits so i had yeah. trouble even keeping track of like are they are they actually all assholes are any of them good people i can't even tell because they're not they're not clearly there's nothing like unique about any of them that make them stand out as like oh yeah you're definitely like a jerk or not yeah they're super generic they're so people. bland maybe maybe that's a comment of the movie or maybe it's just a well i don't know if you're just gonna kill these people they're just generic i don't know if that's a smart commentary or a smart reference i don't think the movie is actually that smart but you're you're 100 right because i could not keep track of how many were still alive no um, <laughs> no there's a version of this movie where like the the guy's names are all like chad tad brad <laughs> <laughs> Answer me a question. Could you bet all your life savings right now that those were not their names? 
(laughs) (laughs) They don't really have defining characteristics except for scared and scared of Chad. (laughs) Yes. And really excited about beer and skinny dipping. Didn't you go to college, Carrie? That's all it was. (laughs) Beer and skinny dipping. I went to art school. We didn't do any of that. (laughs) (laughs) I remember being in college and a bunch of friends, like, occasionally joking about going skinny dipping. But I have a feeling if whenever we went to a lake or something like that, if anyone actually did, they'd be like, that person is out of the group. (laughs) (laughs) Why did he do that? Maybe it's just that when old people make slasher movies, I'm not even saying this movie, I'm saying, like, the movies that this is playing off of, they make slasher movies, they're just like, yeah, all all kids are horny all the time, having sex all the time, They, they probably go skinny dipping or something. Yeah, yeah. I know all my friends are always comfortable with all of us seeing each other naked. Every single... All the time. <laughs> so, Peter, I don't want to skip something uh, past something very important that you said that we somehow have not touched on. Peter, we are both from the Midwest. Do you know where Carrie's from, Peter? Carrie. I'll give you a hint. Where are you from? Oh, they make the good <gasps> pizza pies. <laughs> I forgot about this. I forgot about this. So, Carrie, just quickly as, you know, a new Yorker, um, just let us know what he's Bada bing. Bada bing. Very accurate. Are they good? Highly accurate. <laughs> Everyone talks like that here. On your way to work, you're like, I really want to go to work, but I also want to get a New York slice. <laughs> New York slice for breakfast. If we went to New York and we talked like that, would people be like, they must be a local, let me ask for directions. <laughs> Absolutely. I'd be like, oh, go up the subway. Uh, okay. So let's... Let's let's transition. So actually, I think um, I think both of us are positive, or all three of us are positive on this movie. Yeah. So why don't we yeah, talk let's about? Yeah, let's let's, let's 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 talk about the stuff that we loved to watch, which is most of this movie. I can start the way that they shoot the two perspectives of this movie is absolutely brilliant um where it's not just a perspective twist where oh now you're seeing uh you're seeing and hearing the thoughts and actions of one group uh versus the thoughts and actions of the other group and they have different perceptions of each other but the movie themselves change when you are watching the movie from tucker and dale's perspective it's kind of shot like a lighthearted comedy the music's different the lighting's different and then when you get to the uh the college kids perspective Perspective, especially early on when uh, when they don't know that when no one in the group knows what Tucker and Dale is, the music's different. Uh, the tone is different. The silence is different. It's shot like a horror movie. You're literally transitioning from um, not just the perspectives of the character in the movie, but the perspective of a movie about the two uh, groups of people. Yeah, they do do a little bit of juggling, which is nice because the timelines have to hop back and forth for it to make sense, right? Like you can't have way too much time without the kids, but they don't give you too much time with the kids because the kids aren't that interesting. They're like in their own horror movie because a lot of times when you cut back to them, they've been going through their own trials and tribulations. They're talking about stuff that us as the audience haven't seen that they've like talked about. Um, It really feels like we're not just we're cutting back to a different movie like in progress that we're missing out on. Uh, And then we're getting the full Tucker and Dale story. I, 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 I love that. I never got sick of Tucker and Dale, but, like, when we had to leave them, I was like, 
that's that's good we, we should probably go check into those kids that are out in the woods like maybe gonna come murder these people it kind of works doesn't that work comedy. though yeah because you're like what are those kids doing so i like that it does, it does the, the jump back and forth between the two and it does work a little bit as a horror comedy we're gonna have to come up with like a rubric for like how you balance the comedy versus horror uh, elements i think this is way more on the comedy side it's way more trying to like explore the concepts of like uh slasher tropes abstractly it's very rarely trying to scare you the scariest stuff in here is all the redneck flashbacks and that's because it's trying to scare you the deaths are appropriately grisly which we should talk about all of them are pretty goddamn hilarious uh yeah i was impressed at how not just how funny they were but they were able to like continually come up with creative and ways that these people were a, both dying on accident, but also in ways that immediately frame Tucker and Dale, but still had, like, an air of plausibility around them. Um, and and the, the way they were able to balance all that for each and every death, it's a one-note joke that they sustain and develop and do right every time for two whole acts, which is impressive. They continue to make me laugh. There's a halfway point where... The cops finally confront Tucker and Dale and uh, the kids are in the car and you're like, oh, shit, like we're only halfway through the movie. How are they going to get out of this? I hope the rest of the movie isn't in a fucking jail cell. Like, And there's this whole sequence where a cop accidentally leans on the wrong beam and then like just destroys his own face. Tucker's like, he's like, he's fine. He's going to walk it off. And then he just collapses and dies like that's <laughs> that's but there's like nails coming out of his face that's really good horror comedy stuff because you're like this probably isn't funny but it's really funny because it was just <laughs> like such a dumb accident like it, it came out of nowhere um or and then the and then the other thing that happens right after that is like a different kind of joke which is the kids being dumb is so funny. So yeah. the, the the kid is like trying to figure out how to turn the safety off and then blows his own head off. <laughs> yeah, which is like which is like really fucking funny to me. But like is that's black humor. Like yeah, but because it manages to one up itself every single time, it yeah it, it stays funny. And that's and it's yes. funny because like that's the kind of thing that you wish that they were doing with Chad or with with other parts of the move. Like, you wish that the ridiculousness was amped up just a little bit more in everything else, yeah. but in the deaths is where they actually really succeed. Absolutely. Yeah, it tones down a lot if the enemy comes much more predictable. The part where, you know, uh, where Tucker is running through the forest after getting stung by bees and still has his chainsaw going, and then the kid sees him and rightly assumes that this, like, maniac with a fucked up face is chasing him with a chainsaw, and then, so he starts running too, only to get impaled uh, on a stick from looking back. That's so good, because it's it's not just, like, setting up a, a almost a pl- a plausible enough situation where, okay... You could see why someone would look at that and be fucking terrified, so he would start running. Uh, and you could also see why someone wouldn't just turn off the chainsaw when his face is getting uh, stung by bees. And then also a, like, twist on what you expect to happen. You expect an accident with the chainsaw instead of, like, 
looking behind your back and getting impaling <laughs> yourself uh, on a tree. The tree thing, you're just like, oh, that's just like a dumb mistake. But as it goes, you're like, oh, oh, oh holy shit. Like, that's, <laughs> that's why this keeps happening. And it gets more ridiculous, but that, like, is how comedies are supposed to do. They're supposed to escalate the same joke, and it's sort of stretching a joke throughout the movie and returning to it like good comedy does. That's I think that's that part of the reason that comedy movies are so hard to work with and why, like, there's so many great comedy sitcoms but like a great comedy movie doesn't come along every year. All right, quick. What's your favorite death? Wood chipper. Wood chipper. Yeah. The handgun suicide one is the one that made me laugh hard the hardest and it's like definitely the bleakest one. <laughs> See, I I think wood chipper is a solid number two for me. It's almost hard not to pick it. But uh, uh, the first watch I would have. But I think the, the, the spearing himself is like an underrated moment where he's in the pit and then it's not just that he impales himself, but then he slides down it to make eye contact with Dale, who's in the pit, uh, terrified. I think I think that's uh, when it's really like piling on how, how much these kids are going to off themselves. And I think uh, also uh, one of the reasons that the comedy works so well is that as these kids are killing themselves, you really do identify with Tucker and Dale, who basically say the the line which is yeah we can't go to the police this looks terrible for us there's this like you needed to have the characters acknowledge how ridiculous this is and they do it so well and their lines are so funny as they're like trying to figure out what the fuck is going on uh like i i think of dale's line of like they hate my face <laughs> uh. And to them, it's so logical that these kids would yeah. be like going to the woods for a suicide pact. They're like, oh, of, yeah. cor- of course, that's what's going on here. Yeah, they're taking us down with them. Oh, yeah. The wood chipper scene, though. That's pretty great. So good. Um, the wood chipper thing is particularly funny because like it makes you question like why they're in the woods and why they brought a wood chipper like for this whole deal. Like, you're just like, <laughs> like, why are you running this ridiculous instrument just for like clean up the old the homestead? Well, but on the flip side, Peter, I can't think of a better place to bring a wood chipper than the woods. <laughs> I mean, there's so much wood around. Exactly. Yeah. Like the thing that it's designed to chip, designed by a person, by God, who knows? But the thing that it's like being is made for to chip mm-hmm. <laughs> is all around them. I feel like it's kind of cruel to bring a wood chipper like somewhere like maybe the plains. Where there's no. very few trees around. Well, and plus you you chip that one one tree that you find in the plains. That's like shade for like probably like eight square miles. So people <laughs> just get pissed at you. You're you're doing no one a service. You are just like destroying an oasis. And like the only landmark they have. So many people didn't go home to their cabins after, after the wood chipper made it to the plains. <laughs> like, I swore that tree was right around here. Oh, what am I walking on? Wood chips! <laughs> this made me think of in Fargo when Steve Buscemi's in the wood chipper. You thought he was taking too long? <laughs> so that's what I thought. I'm like, he's like really shoving him in there, but apparently you can just... Dive right through. A wood chip, okay, so let's talk about this. So a wood chipper chips wood. I know, like, bones are hard, but, like, wood's pretty hard, too. Like, why would the body... Carrie, what do you just... think's harder, bones or wood? Bones. Bones are harder? I would guess. Wood, I don't know. All of them? Finger bones? Like, what are you talking? Finger finger bones? <laughs> uh, like a redwood? Or, like, femur <laughs> sapling? Because... <laughs> There's some sturdy bones that are probably harder than a tree. 
So you think in Fargo, he's like stuck on a femur, right? Yeah. Like that's what he's chucking along on? I think so. Okay. Okay. If, if we tell anyone that we did a segment called Bones of Wood, <laughs> no one's going to think we're talking about trees. Oh, <laughs> 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 like, yeah. We had carry on. We did a quiz. Talk about bones versus wood. Uh, <laughs> I'm very good at knowing the difference. what else really uh stood out uh for you for you guys in this movie we don't really see tucker interact with women at all i think he might get like briefly briefly jealous at the at dale and allison and then but he just says it to the wood chipper and then moves on yeah i think he's more frustrated that like he's out chopping wood and then dale woke up with a woman of his dreams like which would be a more charming like character trait than someone just being jealous because these are like these being like sweet boys is like half the thing that i love about this movie oh yeah and i love dale's whole arc of kind of learning to appreciate himself and see himself as like a capable person yeah it's very endearing and i feel like it's developed in such a believable way yeah that is why the movie works, I think, in a in a big way. I agree with you 100%. Like, Dale, Dale is such a good character. My earlier complaints are never about him as a character. It, it's about the writing around around Allison's interactions with him. But he, but he is, you know, extremely, extremely sincere. And, you know, just, yeah, trying to, trying to kind of get up the courage to, like, do the right thing and stand up to people, which is a perfect payoff because the opening scene, which is a parody of the gas station scenes in these horror movies where the college kids that are, see the locals that either, like, uh, pretend doom or, uh, or end up being the people that, uh, go after them later on in the movie, like, in that scene, his creepiness that everyone's scared of is actually a lack of confidence. And that projects as like him not knowing how to talk to people, how to approach people. Because Tucker's like, they're just human, just like you and me. Just go talk to them. But his lack of like self-confidence makes him unable to do that. So uh, it's a really good arc for him. And it's a really good arc in taking a very funny moment at the beginning of the movie and making that the through line of his character. And even in Wolf Creek, they had a moment like that where, like, one of the redneck yokels walks up to the group at a gas station, but he's like, I want to have sex with your women as, like, a macho asshole joke thing. It's like the movie playing off of that where it's like, oh, these guys are immediately threatened on every level by Dale walking up and, and and talking to them and, like, doing that, like, awkward giggle. I think Tyler Labine threads that needle really well. Tucker has less of a road to hoe. It's really like Dale's movie. He's definitely the sidekick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Tucker usually doesn't have to do the two conflicting ideas in the same scene kind of thing, where he's a sweet boy, but you can understand why he's intimidating people. Though he does do that really great thing where they're on the boat and and, uh, Alan Tudyk is yelling like, we've got your girl or whatever, but like in a (laughs) redneck voice. It sounds like a very intimidating, terrifying thing. Well, his voice gets even more funny because after after his face gets all stung with bees, he has much more of that, like, creepy drawl that makes people want to run away from him. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically like Alan Tudyk and and, uh, Tyler Levine are both like, you know, I mean, like, Tyler Levine's like a big dude, but like, they're both like, you know more or less normal looking to people. 
Would you give them yokel status? I feel like they, they got a little bit like half yokel going on where you can understand, like they're doing a redneck thing, but they're not doing like an outright like, like howdy y'all. Like they're not doing like a, like horse apples from Wonder Shows in. <laughs> and so that kind of like adds humanity to the performance also. Like Alan Tudyk is doing a little bit more of like a vocalized performance. I'm going to do a little bit of a Southern thing, but I'm not going to do way too much. But yeah, once he gets the bee bite, the sting bites, the bee stings. The sting he, uh, bites. Please leave that in the sting bite needles what do you uh stinger biters um the stingers the bug Once bites gets those the bug the bug bite stings he uh starts to have like yeah way more of a slack jaw but yeah and then he got to like do more of a slack jawed thing when that happens and i feel like they're doing like a almost like a missing teeth thing part that's like the dialect he's trying to like imitate. i thought it was like, like has a lot of chew in at all times that could, that could be what they're doing, too. Like, regardless, like, specific cultural signifiers for this is, like, uh, a lower class, like, rural person. And he's, like, he, he by some strange accident ends up getting that voice. What else worked for you, Carrie? Were there some moments that, that stood out for you? Yeah, weirdly, um, my favorite scene in the movie, which, Im- while it embodies some of the worst third act problems, is the whole little like therapy scene with the tea. And I, what I love, oh yeah, what I love about that is that like it it just embodies like the emotional labor that women do in these situations where like she has been she's had like two concussions in the span of you know 24 hours or whatever and yet she still feels compelled to be the person who like brings these two other people together to try to get them to understand each other and it's like it's so weirdly relatable um i love that scene that scene has my favorite line in the movie which is thank you for sharing chad (laughs) (laughs) we talked about this a little bit earlier but like how i would like some more characterization from allison she has one of my favorite jokes in the movie which is right after that scene when the cabin blows up and she goes oh i'm a shitty therapist (laughs) (laughs) like that's a good that's a really great line like i wish there was more like self-aware kind of stuff going on with allison and that rather than just like yeah i'm gonna fix everything but she kind did okay in there i mean like she got them to open up in ways that they would not have otherwise so she's not she's not so bad yeah she was successful yeah and this movie has so many good lines i can't believe they end with that one clunker not good i do think though chad is such a great name for like you could say any sentence and ending it with chad is like an insult yeah (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) thanks for coming over today Chad. chad (laughs) (laughs) oh man we really appreciate that cake you sent on my birthday chad (laughs) like everything sounds a little sarcastic but she actually plays it less sarcastic than i did because she's like you know because he tells that story of what happened to his parents and how he was found in the woods and and i you know she she plays it so great because she really is like well that was an unexpected uh story thank you for sharing yourself Chad? <laughs> she's very sincere. Yeah, she's yeah. she's very sincere and also terrified. Yeah. Rightfully so. So before we kind of get into other scenes, one thing I think is really interesting in this movie is, and I think even more so than stuff like Scream and Cabin in the Woods, is that I don't think this movie works at all or even like close to what it's intended if you are not pretty familiar with the genre it's parroting. Like, I don't think this works standalone 
as much because the the first two acts where it is setting up all these tropes and giving you these expectations and you're seeing the different perspectives like they really are showing here's what you normally see in a in a in a horror movie in a cabin in the woods and redneck horror you know all those 80s you know out in the woods movies and then here's here's what could be the other side of it and i think that the 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 tropes on display in this movie are well known enough that even if you had never seen another uh, Cabin in the Woods uh, type uh, horror movie that you could kind of get it. But I just I don't think it works to the level as long as you don't have maybe not intimate uh, familiarity, but at least like a oh, I've seen a few of these movies. I'm getting all the different beats that they're hitting and how they're twisting them. Do you mean seeing other types of uh, horror comedies or other uh, redneck horror other like not even necessarily redneck horror but like the the you know um the camp horror movies like mm. this very specific sort of like you know people go to the woods and get picked off and all the tropes associated with that and that could be like a cabin fever from 2000 it could be the friday the 13th movies uh you know it could be more like the original evil dead or something like that but i feel like the points that they are hitting are so specific and they do it throughout those first two acts that you may get the joke because the tropes are so readily uh, out there, but I don't think you enjoy this as much as if some if you've seen at least like a few of these types of movies that they're parroting. Yeah, I agree. Um, especially the uh, the laughing early on and the carving the message into the tree trunk, like we got your girl or whatever. Like, yeah, might not translate, but I think all you really have to do is see like one slasher fair enough yeah yeah or like one texas chainsaw massacre movie or something and i feel like everybody has seen at least one like movie about like kooky rednecks right like that trope transcends horror movies too it also goes into like even like there's like kids movies where there's like creepy um hill people or whatever yeah i guess i guess what i see is the difference maybe Maybe this is incorrect. Is like I think Scream and Cabin in the Woods function as a horror movie straight. Like if you didn't know what they are commenting on all that well, I think that you could just watch those movies and they are effective horror movies even if you didn't get the parody elements or the satirical elements or any of that stuff. Where I think that Tucker and Dale vs. Evil – does not work as a straight horror movie. Horror as a genre is constantly building off of itself in a way that's very, very reactive. Uh, in a way that I think other genres aren't. Like, Adam Sandler is still making the same fucking comedies he was making in the 90s, and he doesn't seem to care. And Disagree. His, his 90s ones were good. Like <laughs> Some, of, yeah. Some of them were good. Billy Madison like, was good. Have yeah, Gilmore's pro- good. Okay. Rain over me, hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> like, we, we're still making we occasionally still make like dramas about like you know struggling mothers or slavery dramas and such like we make a lot of the same types of dra- dramas that don't necessarily feel super reactive to other movies and like we make war movies that don't necessarily feel super reactive to the war movie that came out two years ago 
Horror movies, I feel like, are so reactive because they're so based on, like, getting a experience for a very specific audience. And if you can get one specific, this one specific audience, not a mass audience, the one specific audience to have a positive reaction and say, like, this movie gets our thing, then that's all you have to do. So, like, horror is, like, very niche. Obviously, Blumhouse is, like, one of the most profitable production companies today. But, like, horror is generally pretty niche. Like, and horror movies react to each other very, very quickly. React, horror, rip off. Yeah, react and rip off is a good point. Like, they, that open fucking jaw thing that's in every horror movie now, where, like, a character just turns and looks at another character, and they're possessed, or they're a zombie, or whatever, and their their jaw just expands down to, like, a snake level. Like, I saw that in a movie, like, 10 years ago, and I was like, that's amazing! And then you see it in, like, the Conjuring movies, and you saw it in the Ouija movies, and it just, like, keeps happening. Like, I feel like horror, horror movies are built for a specific audience, so they're kind of allowed to have, like, more stuff that wouldn't work without context. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. It also, it also um, the, the world of the film, I feel like, is not, even though Tucker and Dale's characters are developed pretty well, the world of the film doesn't feel developed enough to be yeah. standalone. Like, I saw Scream before I saw any of the movies that it was parodying, but because yeah. <laughs> but because that movie not only, like, over-explains all of its references so well, but it also um, creates a very compelling and a very detailed world of its own, it kind of doesn't matter. Yep. Whereas this movie isn't doing that. It's relying on information that you have from other sources for what Aaron's saying, like, because it's not developed enough. Um, you have to rely on those other references from other movies. That's the much better way to say what I was trying to stumble <laughs> over, but, that's, but 100% agree. 100%. So, yeah, we can do final thoughts or any missed scenes that we didn't talk about. Carrie, why don't you why don't you lead us off? I really enjoyed watching it. I thought it was a really fun movie. I don't feel like it's a movie I'm going to have to revisit a whole bunch of times, but for what it is, it's enjoyable. If they do a sequel, I wouldn't mind a movie that's kind of just Tucker and Dale without all of the other shit added onto it. They're interesting enough characters. I kind of just yeah. want to see the two of them banter for an hour and a half. I don't need the horror element of it for them because the horror stuff isn't isn't the reason that this movie is effective anyway. So yeah. I wouldn't mind just watching more of the two of them doing their own thing. But yeah, I enjoyed this a bit. Yeah, I agree with you. I think they either should do that or they should take them into a different genre. Like, keep keep the characters consistent, but where they're not parroting, like, redneck horror movies, but maybe, maybe they get abducted by aliens or maybe, you know... They end up in some sort of Western or something. I think I think that could work as well, where they are like almost like your guides into into a different parody. I just I don't know how you do like another version of this um, and make it successfully, because as we've discussed, it kind of ran out of steam anyways after two X. So I don't know what a sequel could bring to it. I think my initial take on this movie kind of stands like it's a it's a fun morsel, but it like doesn't compare to the best um, horror comedies. Mm mm. Um, interesting diversion, a lot of fun, a lot of great actors that get to be very funny, but it definitely feels very 
light and you know it's just not it's not a meal it's a fun uh saturday afternoon movie it's not a drop everything we're watching cabin in the woods or evil dead 2 or reanimator or even scream or something like that so i feel like its value has come to me i agree with you aaron and, and carrie its value more comes to me in contrast with the movies that we've just been watching it helps soften some of the sort of like tendencies of this month where I, I didn't want to just be purely like, lol, aren't rednecks funny? There are uh, Kill Billy's movies, just like with Deliverance last year, that sort of engage with the idea that rural people aren't just scary monsters, that they... Um, are in many ways like a lot of this movie's this movie is positing that it's a problem with miscommunication not just Texas Chainsaw Massacre and stuff but even like Dan Aykroyd was in like a rural part of Pennsylvania and then he made that awful movie Nothing But Trouble that was just because he was like I don't know it's a fucking scary rural people like it's just an experience that's that you know city slickers have sometimes when you're you're somewhere and you know you talk to somebody and they might not be super friendly to you and you might not necessarily understand their customs or whatever and uh yeah i uh i wanted to throw this movie in as a sort of like lighter touch and um i'm glad we did it but yes like carrie said i'm not going to be uh revisiting this as some sort of classic and like aaron said it's not something that i would put on and be like oh i scratched that that yeah that indie horror itch or i've scratched that uh, you know redneck horror itch like I, i don't think it would scratch either of those yeah it really is a you don't invite everyone to come over to watch this movie. You invite everyone to come over to watch a different movie. And then when the people that are still up and want to watch something else, but they're kind of too tired to be too engaged, you're like, oh, have you seen this? That's kind of fun. Like, yeah, definitely. <laughs> the beer cans are all in the trash. And then you're like, well, I'm not quite ready for bed. Let's do one more. That's more where this, yeah. this is positioned. Yeah. That's a good that's a good analogy, Aaron. Yeah, you're either doing that or you play a game of wood versus bone. <laughs> the classic game. <laughs> classic the game. Classic. Guys, wood versus bone or Tucker and Dale versus uh, evil. So uh so Carrie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I hope you had a lot of fun. I hope uh, you come back. I would love to. This was so much fun. Thank you. Uh, do you have anything to promote or uh, plug? Yes. Uh, I will uh, mention again, um, Long Strange Trip on Amazon Prime is a f- documentary that I worked on for a bit last year. Uh, it is a very long Grateful Dead documentary, but a very interesting one. So I will hope you will check it out. Um, and if you want to see any of the work uh, that I have produced myself, um, my Vimeo channel is uh, Vimeo slash Carolyn Nelson. And yeah, I hope you will take a look. I'll be checking those out. I'll be recommending that documentary to my dad. Amazing. So yeah. So thanks again so much, Carrie. Um, uh, and the rest, we, we have one more left, Peter. We have, well, hold on. Let's back up. Beep. Beep. <laughs> Beep. <laughs> um, uh, I hate you so much. <laughs> we, we, have, we have two more left, but one episode. Next week, Peter and I are doing The Hills Have Eyes and a little movie called The Hills Have Eyes. The Wes Craven original and the Alexander Raha uh, <laughs> uh, remake. So I'm very excited for that. I've only seen one of them. Uh, and the one I saw was the remake, and I really liked it. So I'm excited to talk about that next week. So next, <laughs> next month. 
uh, we are doing uh, in September guest request month. These are movies that guests have uh, came to us or uh, either uh, repeating guests or, um, or or one new guest, actually. And we're like, hey, I'd love to do this movie if you guys uh, ever were going to do it. And we just, you know, we love having uh, those people on, especially to talk about uh, movies that they have an interest in or, or want to have something they want to discuss in relation to a movie. So instead of trying to wait and fit them into a theme month, we thought, hey, why don't we just do a theme month where uh, the people that have asked for these movies get a chance to come on and uh, and talk about them. And that's kind of our linking theme. So that's coming in September. Peter, I know we don't have an order uh, worked out exactly yet, but if you want to quickly run through the selections and the guests, uh, that would be fantastic. I can do that. Um, so Thanks, like Peter. That. In the, the spirit of democratizing the show and letting people uh, democratic options, we're going to be doing guest request month. I uh, already said all this. Aaron, <laughs> come on. Do you not understand how editing works? <laughs> no, I know. I'm not sure if I'm getting edited out, so I'm trying to like trying to sabotage it. Yeah, so you Aaron, can't Aaron do it. don't bother sending me your track this week. I'll take care of it. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> all right. In September, we're going to be doing. Pump Up the Volume with Bridget Taylor. We're going to be doing Urge, which is a 2016 movie. Uh, we're going to be doing The Room with a uh, first-timer on the show, Andrew Darr. And uh, J- Joseph has committed to a movie called Firefox. I think he might change it, but I would like to do Firefox for this show. Uh, so Joseph J. Finn will be bringing Firefox on. Here's uh, here's a very important note to Firefox. I said I never heard of it. Uh, Clint Eastwood, I think. Um, never heard of him. Yeah, never, <laughs> never heard of him. Uh, I was like, oh, this looks interesting. Kind of different than what we've done. Really excited. Uh, check the runtime: two hour twenty minutes. Told him I was much less excited. (laughs) (laughs) They used to to just tack on those old minutes, didn't they? Joseph listens to every episode, um, I feel like. And at least on 50% of our episodes, we talk about how much we like, like, under 90-minute movies. So I think the fact that he picked, like, a 145-minute movie for uh, Guest Request Month is, like, a very passive aggressive move to let us know he doesn't care for us and <laughs> just hate listens to the show. I could totally see Liz doing something like that, like where she's like, We're doing a Bellatar movie, it's eight hours. <laughs> Uh, you guys ready to talk about the Turin horse? <laughs> <laughs> I think Joseph genuinely just really likes Cold War military thrillers. I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> there's two. There's Red Dawn and there's Firefox. So thank you very much, Carrie. You are an amazing guest. So, Aaron, how do you want to walk us out of this episode? Do you want to make well, Carrie, Carrie listens. Carrie, do you listen to the end of our episodes or do you like quit when we start announcing next week? No, I, I like listening to the awkwardness for sure. Okay, so Thanks. so why don't you, can you, now that we've taught you the ways of being an awkward human being <laughs> that doesn't know how to let go, why don't, you, why don't you throw some in there for us? Oh, I... I can you, can you uh, do... Can you, can you explain to Peter's not just slow talking? No, I, I mean, that's my instinct, too, is the slow talking. Do it. Do do some awkward, awkward uh, talking. Uh, I, I feel... I, uh, Movie. I'm just stuttering now, <laughs> which is awkward in itself. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this feels sufficiently awkward. 
Well, what we really need to do is let's start doing a thing where, like, people that broke up with us, we get to come on the show at the last minute. Oh, and then beautiful. Like, yeah, that's, like, the last thing. Like, all right, good night. And I'll be like, oh, wait, Peter, hold on. Here's your high school girlfriend who broke up with you. And she's like, just tell him one quick sentence about why you guys broke up. Um, what he did and then we'll like we'll do that we'll get your like honest reaction like half a sentence of like trying to stumble for a response and then we'll just say good night Aaron why would you want to bring on someone who hurt me like that well I'm saying that you could do the same to me too Aaron why would you want to do that well because I think it'd be funny if I'm being honest this isn't a a bit this is my life Aaron yeah I mean I could talk to Ryan he knows some people probably why why are you why are you trying to find I almost said my fake girlfriend's name. <laughs> I was like, what's a woman's name that's not my current girlfriend's yeah. We can, Yeah, well, let's go ask my wife why why she would maybe break up with you if you guys knew each other in high school. Um, actually, I'll say a, re- I'll say a real awkward question. thing. I'll say a real awkward thing um, that, and we can end the show on this uh, because it was very sweet. Uh, so Peter sent me a, uh, a present. Uh, it was a, it's a it's a game like a Cards Against Humanity, but not that where you do uh, accents because we are known for our bad accents. And he wrote a little note, sent it to me. Very very sweet. Uh, I get home from work, and my wife is like, "Oh, you got a package from Amazon." Uh, it's a present. And she calls because I order stuff from Amazon all the time. Like, so she'll be like, oh, look, I think you got yourself a present, which is like me buying a Blu-ray or something like that. So I'm like, oh, I don't I don't think I ordered anything. And she goes, no, like a real present. I'm like, oh, did you get me something? And she goes, no, <laughs> Some, someone that loves you. And I and my first, I swear to God, my first response was Peter. <laughs> That's so lovely. <laughs> so she's That's like, so would you say that Peter loves you? I'm like. <laughs> Well, I mean, based on the way that you phrased it, I think Peter made the most sense with your <laughs> smirk on your face. <laughs> so, I so th- do, I do thank you so you, much right? for yeah, I, I love you too, buddy. So, thank you so much for the game. I'm very excited to make some friends and then um, see if they want to play a game. <laughs> Aaron, when you make those that first friend, I just I hope you have a great time with it. I hope so too. <laughs> All right, good night, everyone. Hey folks, thanks for listening to We Love to Watch. If you want to get in touch with us, please reach out to us at either our website, WLTWpodcast.com, or our Facebook group, facebook.com backslash we love to watch. And uh, yeah, reach out to us, give us some feedback, give us some support, uh, suggest movies for the show, all that. We are also available on SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, and iTunes. Thanks for listening.